0: done its part. let Him reign in my life my heart. Love done its part. Now let Him reign in my life my
1: heart. Welcome to Healing Hidden Wounds Radio, sponsored by Shadow of His Wings Ministry. We are glad you are listening today, and hope you find words of healing, insight, and restoration. Shadow of His Wings Ministry was founded by Lee and Shay Preston and born out of God's vision for setting captives free. If you would like to support us in the work we do, please visit www.shadowofhiswingsministry.com to donate. Today on Healing Hidden Wounds, Lee is talking with Jonathan Darty, director of Be Broken Ministries. Let's listen in as Lee and Jonathan discuss the ins and outs of recovery from sexual brokenness.
2: We're going to dive into another segment of our Healing Hidden Wounds uh, part of the broadcast in which we're going to talk about uh, issues that really have a lot to do with folks struggling with same-sex attraction. And uh, this week, what exactly are you wanting us to uh, tell our listeners about?
0: Well, we're going to talk a little bit uh, today about the perfect balance, uh, that uh, feminine love that mom offers versus the masculine love that, da- that dad offers and... Uh, where that sometimes gets off track in the in the midst of a little boy growing up in a home that ultimately leads to homosexual sin.
2: Okay, where um, wh- what kind of framework, what kind of picture do you want to paint for our listeners in terms of okay, what does this look like then in this home where I'm going to assume there's not this perfect balance in this little boy's home or little girl's home who ends up kind of going in the direction of believing the falsehoods about uh, homosexuality and and out of that sexual brokenness starting to believe certain things about their identity.
0: Sure. Well, and I want to start off by saying, you know, that that nobody really gets the perfect balance. I Mm -hmm. mean, God's a perfect God, and so he made allowances for our imperfections. And so in every home, dads don't always do it right, and in every home, moms don't always do it right. But At least in this particular home where a a young boy begins to sway from his original uh, kind of road towards his sexuality, uh, there's usually a really broken imbalance in mom's love versus dad's love. Uh, Mom's love is very tender, very gentle, uh, very loving, very quick to rescue. And it can be variations of that, certainly. I mean, some moms are not very gentle, but they're quick to rescue. Some moms are, you know, not real um, uh, tender and and cl- want to be close to their son, but they're quick to tell him how he should be and tell him, give him advice and constantly tell him what he should, shouldn't do. Uh, and so that's definitely kind of the feminine love side of it. The masculine love is this dad who kind of, is supposed to uh offer that kind of love to his son but he's kind of checked out a little bit from this particular in this home uh he's kind of walked away and said you know he he's not the kid for me he's too tender he's too gentle he's too sensitive he cries when i talk to him uh his heart's too sensitive i don't know how to dress this kid you know, normally I just say, get out of here. You're supposed to be doing your homework. And yet he cries and walks away. And I don't understand how to handle that. So I'm just not going to handle him. I'm going to let his mother handle him because she seems to get along better with him.
2: All right. So let's talk about what this, you know, what this can produce in this kid emotionally and kind of where that that takes him. But I also wonder if there's a part of this conversation that needs to be about, um you know, because it's interesting, as you're talking about that dad, I'm going, well, I've got the sensitive boy, you know, and, and I'm I'm wired in many ways to just go, come on, just get it done. Get it done, you know, and it's so funny because I've got the son and then I've got these two daughters, and, and you want to take a guess at which one of them is, like, by far the most emotionally sensitive
0: child. <laughs> Probably your son. It's right? my
2: son, yeah, which I never would have guessed. And, you know, of course, I mean, every every parent go, goes into parenthood ignorant, you know, you you have these ideas about what you think it should be. I've certainly thought, well, girls just naturally going to be more tender and loving and sensitive and boys going to be naturally more gruff and rough. And boy, I just, I missed the boat on that one. Because, you know, my little, my little eight year old son is just the most affectionate tender one. And so as you're mentioning some of these things, I'm thinking, you know, obviously there's gonna be parents listening to this too. And we we don't want to necessarily make it sound like, man, every instance of insensitivity is going to lead to this particular... You're talking about patterns within the home. Sure. And, and I'm saying... And kind of an overall environment and atmosphere in that home between these two styles of love from a father, masculine and feminine love. Right.
0: I, and I'm offering to you, the key there is, is when the dad says... I'm done. Right, right. He That's the real out. key. He says, you know what? I don't know how to be right with this kid. I don't know how to be a dad to him because he, he doesn't seem to fit my style of parenting. And all I ever do is cause him to cry or all he ever does is run to his mother. And Because certainly I believe God has set inside all of us an ability to be very sensitive. Oh, yeah. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I consider it a gift. Uh, I still see it myself. I see it in people I work with. You know, it's a gift. Being sensitive is a wonderful thing because it causes you to be sensitive to those around you. It causes you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It actually, for men, makes you much more, you know, it can make you a much better husband because you can be sensitive to your wives. But, you know, so none of that's wrong, but it's how the kid hears how you address that sensitivity of his.
2: And I'm glad you said that because one of the things I want our listeners to know, especially the ones who come from this history of being that little kid, the one who who was in this you know severe imbalance and is you know had a lot of sexual brokenness and shame and all this that kind of came out of that is I always try to encourage those who are coming out of a sexual addiction that they have a great privilege and opportunity to actually minister and help others in ways that most people can't because of this sensitivity issue that you're talking about. I'm convinced that sex addicts, those who develop a sexual addiction, whether it be homosexual, heterosexual, whatever, in whatever ways our sexual brokenness is being expressed in our adulthood, I believe that underneath all of that are the most sensitive individuals in our society. And I'm not saying that as a derogatory term. I'm saying that in a very positive way right? because I've seen it happen plenty of times when when, when a uh, sex addict starts getting healing and starts coming out and getting whole and getting well, man, the compassion that they can extend to others, the help that they can give to others, the, the mercy and grace and just the love that they can show to others is unlike anyone else on the planet because of the sensitivity that's at the core of who they are. Absolutely. Which would you say that's also probably the reason that in childhood – They seem to be wounded more easily.
0: Sure, and I, you know, I don't know for sure. I'd I'd love to someday do a study, but I would suspect there's a sensitive heart inside of every man. Sure, it's just whether or not. I just don't know that we do a great job in our culture of allowing a boy to be raised sensitively, and so we end up getting guys at least not in a healthy way. Exactly,
2: because there's some who would say. Oh, you know, we raised them sensitively, but they they, they kind of, that's sort of interpreted as license to do whatever they want. Let them be as sensitive they want. Let them experience whatever they want. Let them, and that's like, well, that's not raising a sensitive.
0: Sure, sure. And, I, yeah, I don't mean hypersensitive. Right. I just mean, you know, we don't do a great job of doing it. We either allow the wife to take over completely, and she raises the child, and so her very sensitive feminine love takes over or a dad comes in and says well no son of mine's going to be a fag and so I'm going to make sure he knows what he's supposed to be and you just better dry those tears or I'm going to give you something to cry about and so you end up either having the guy on the one end who can't shed a tear for anybody because he feels nothing or you got the guy on the other end who generally has a homosexual struggle in his life somewhere who is very sensitive and and gets very upset and very tearful and very disappointed over everything that happens because he's got such a Feminine emotion base inside his upbringing.
2: So let me let me get this straight. Then in this picture, in this home, there is there is an imbalance towards the the father being more distant, detached, sort of emotionally checked out, and the mother being maybe almost in the sense of what you're calling hypersensitive, being very uh, maybe very emotional, very sort of would you say maybe almost smothering emotionally, maybe with.
0: Certainly can be. Certainly can be. I think on some level, though, uh, you could probably even see a a mom who absolutely is pretty even keeled in her emotions, but she just happens to have feminine emotions. And so, you know, I mean, in 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 most typical scenarios, I'm not trying to stereotype here, but you got little boy riding his little red tricycle. He's racing down the street. It flips over. He falls off. He skins his knee. He he cuts his arm. And both mom and dad are standing there. Most of the time, mom goes running after him. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! You gotta help! You know, help this, help our son. And the dad's sitting there going, "Oh, let him get up. He'll get. He'll come back this direction." You know, neither one of those is are, are necessarily wrong. It's just that if one, if there's not a good balance there, then because imagine what would happen if the dad said, "Hey, son. Okay, let me help you. I'll get your tricycle. Let me pick you up." Now, you're going to be okay. Let's go in and get you something to wipe off your knee and put a Band-Aid on. Then you get a bit of a balance there. You see, okay, he's going to be okay, but dad's the one showing him that kind of attention. When he's not able to do that or if mom is won't allow him, because sometimes that happens, mom won't allow sure, yeah. him to step in. Oh, no, no, that's my baby. Oh, somebody got, somebody hurt my baby, you know. Uh, you know, then then there's not a good balance there. And so then this boy grows up thinking, well, the only, the only person who ever really knows how to take care of me is my mom. You know, she's the only one that loves me. She's the only one that is tender. She d- cares for my needs and all that sort of thing. And so then you end up having this kind of imbalance of, of uh, emotion there.
2: Now let's talk about this issue of perfect balance because I want to know kind of where that comes from because I think there's that's a... Uh, balance isn't the fallacy in thinking, but the perfect balance, I think, is a fallacy in thinking. Sure. And so where where does that come from? Is that sort of a societal thing? Is that within each individual family? Is that from the child's perspective that that's created, or is that from the parent's perspective? That this idea of if there's perfect balance, then we can create a perfect environment. Or I mean, where does that tend to originate in the thinking? Because it seems like it's pretty subtle and sort of behind the scenes that this creeps into the thinking.
0: Sure. Well, I think even the word perfect in that, in that statement of perfect balance is where we start getting off track. Because perfect means I must be a perfect parent. So I must always rescue my child. I must always respond the right way. He must never cry because crying means that I'm imperfect. I haven't done my job right. He must never be disappointed. If he's ever disappointed, then that must mean I've done something that You know, I could have prevented to keep him from feeling disappointment. You know, and you've got the other side of that, of, you know, he better learn to be strong, so who cares? If he gets disappointed, he better not show a tear. You know, it's always this kind of addressing each situation as it comes of, oh, wow, son, you know, I know you really wanted, you know, to uh be first place at the county s- livestock show, you know, and you got third place. I'm really sorry. I know you're real disappointed about that. Addressing it like that but not, you know, overly responding to it. So it, it, there is no perfect balance, but even the word perfection has its has its connotation where it can cause really a lot of pain in that.
2: Well, cuz it sounds like what it does is on both sides of the equation, on the parent side as well as on the child side, it it eventually creates an atmosphere of shame sure again just overwhelming shame because from the parents side the the perfect balance is i've got to be this perfect parent well you don't have to be a parent for very long to know that you're going to mess it up right you know and there's certainly varying degrees to which that mess up sure. occurs but if you've got this perfect balance mentality or this perfect parent mentality then you're constantly going to be under this weight of shame. Well, did I handle that situation perfectly? And, and and did I respond perfectly here? And did did I say the perfect words here? Did I give the perfect gift there? Did I? And everything's right. about the standard of perfection. Sure. And would you say that that actually has the counter effect of what a parent is thinking? Because the parent is thinking, perfection equals closeness, when in right. fact that perfectionism really is self focused and so you're not actually engaging in relationship when you're have when you have perfectionistic mentality.
0: Sure. Because what you're doing is is you're not you have just the opposite of what God's looking for, which is love in a relationship. Perfectionism can't get to love. Perfectionism just continues to say, I've got to do this right and so love really never enters the picture. And so within what you got is a kid who tries to always do it right. And if you're always trying to do it right, if you take an example of a guy who's same sex attracted, generally, not saying it's every time, but mom has generally stepped in and taken over because she's disappointed in her imperfect husband who doesn't address her son's feelings well, and he's backed out of the picture altogether because now he can't be the perfect dad. Son doesn't respond well to him. Son doesn't seem to laugh and get, you know, coo and be happy when, you know, dad steps in the picture. He's afraid of dad. So dad says, you know what? I'm messing up here. So I'm out of the picture. I'll let his mother take over. And so then you've got this over loving, over uh, gentle, overly tender mom who begins to teach this boy that, you know, the minute I get disappointed, I can run to her and she'll make it all better.
2: Yeah, and also it's painting it's painting a negative picture. It's not just painting a, an an overly exaggerated picture of feminine love. It's actually simultaneously painting a negative picture of masculine love, absolutely, Bec- or actually just a completely absent picture right. of masculine love. And and what that I think that starts to translate in that little boy's mind is that there's only one avenue through which you can get love and that's a feminine type of love right
0: and then you'll always expect it to be to look just like that right which is why then guys who struggle in this area of homosexuality they grow up to not believe that they can have good male relationships because he always hurts my feelings
2: and it creates a fear of of this is the irony it creates a fear of men right A fear of masculinity. unless
0: they see that feminine love kind of already in the guy, which means that's why they're generally attracted to the same guy who's struggling with homosexuality. Right. And so, you know, something that God kind of showed me as I was going through my healing still shows it to me at least once a week is to, you know, in my gentle, you know, overly feminine love that my mom showed me was that I needed a thicker skin, you know, that people are going to disappoint you and sometimes they're even going to get in your face and say you did that wrong. But it doesn't mean that it's always a bad thing and to kind of be able to toughen that a little bit. It doesn't mean you lose your gentle heart. It doesn't mean that you lose your sensitive heart. It just means that, you know, when somebody overemphasizes that you just did that wrong or overemphasizes that you could have done this a little differently or you know, get over it, so to speak, that you don't freak out like, "Oh my gosh, she hates me!" And how can they do that to me? And you know.
2: Well, it's no wonder to me now why God called you into counseling, so that very regularly you get the opportunity to have a thick skin That's when people right. go, "I don't really like your advice. That's right. I want to punch you in the face right now." <laughs> That's right.
0: That's right. Because I've I've learned to say, you know. Go ahead. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I can handle it, you know. It's one of those things with working with a- addiction in general, you know. People tend to have a vein of perfectionism working with with folks who have addiction. And they don't know how to handle the fact that they're imperfect. And uh, they can, you know, especially same-sex attracted guys, they can hang out with other gay men and feel like they're the most perfect thing in the world. But when you get down to real relationships and have to actually communicate one-on-one, That whole sensitive oh you hurt me and you hurt me so much doesn't work because when you have a wife you actually have to be able to hear her emotion as well and if you're so busy dealing with your own emotion and and she must hear me first then it doesn't make for a great balance there
2: well let's talk to parents first and and try to um, create a bridge between this perfect balance thinking perfect parent thinking to what um, what a healthy balance might look like because you know how do you help a parent sort of blow up the perfection model for one of of health because within a healthy paradigm there's it's messy but it can still be healthy so how do you help a parent shift make that shift in their thinking
0: well, I think for the dad, hey, it's okay to, for you to be gentle and soft with your son. You're not going to turn him gay. You know, if he's if he's already at this point listening to this radio show or you're listening to it and you already wonder if he's gay, he's already there. And so you're not going to hurt him by, by trying to turn instead of continuing to be either distant or very, uh, um, not necessarily rough, but just very emphatic with him or very, you know, matter, this is the way it's got to be kind of thing with him then it's okay to turn at some point and say, you know what, I don't have to be that for him anymore. You know, I want to love him. And so it's okay to start showing him some love and some gentleness and some, you know, uh, grace sometimes. For the mom, it's okay sometimes to say, you know what, suck it up. I'm not going to run to your aid. You're going to have to kind of deal with this on your own. I don't know quite how, and I'm going to be have a hard time sitting on the sidelines over here wondering, okay, how is he going to handle this? but that's not a bad thing cuz then he gets to learn what he's going to how he can handle things and if he can handle it without running to you every
2: time what it sounds like sort of common to both of those sides of the equation is there's got to be some personal accountability right you know there's got to be some hey looking in the mirror and going all right the issue is not totally one-sided on either my spouse or it's not totally one-sided on my son right because I think a lot of times that's one of the issues that we as parents struggle with is sometimes the reactions or the actions that our children are taking are not totally disconnected somehow from us. Sure. Now, the perfection, again, the perfection model parent, the perfection thinking parent just heard that and goes, oh, no, what do I need to change? What did I do? What did... Right. Hang on. Take a deep breath. The healthy model parent says, let's see, I'm broken, my spouse is broken, right. my child is broken. So there's, there's three broken pieces here. What can we do? See, relationship, it's a different thinking. Perfection always isolates us. Perfection disconnects us from one another because we get so consumed with our own perfection right. that we're not relating anymore. So instead the shift in thinking can be okay. There's all these broken pieces here What can we be doing to move closer to each other in our brokenness? Sure,
0: and I think a a, an Absolute necessity there especially for a mom is to look at her life and determine hmm It is easier for me to love my son than it is for me to love my husband Mm. because It's easier to love my son because I've kind of trained him the way I like him to be. Yet my husband, he's a man unto himself. And so sometimes he doesn't meet my feelings and my needs the way I need him to. Sometimes he doesn't address those things with me. Sometimes he can be a jerk towards me. But my son, on the other hand, I've guided him in being the kind of man I want him to be. Mm. And you have to be very careful, moms, in that area. Your husband is your husband. Your son is not right, and so it's much healthier to take your needs and your emotions to your husband, even if he doesn't choose to always address them, than it is to take them to your son, because that even can help. That can even cause this imbalance of, of 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 emotion and this this unhealthy balance, because then he begins to think of him, himself as one of the girls. Because my mom always comes to me; she always shares with me. And he can't handle those emotions.
2: And that's where I wanted to uh, f- take the last few minutes of our time here is now let's talk to that son. What would you say to that son as he's grown up sort of in this environment that has promoted this this false idea of perfectionism, this idea of seeking out the perfect, you know, got to have perfect this and that. What do you say to this son who's grown up in this very, you know, imperfect, unhealthy balance of masculine and feminine love? How how does he get to a place where he is able in his adult life to be able to connect emotionally well with men and women in in healthy relationships
0: Well if you're still overly involved with your parents and you're of a reasonable age to not be in their home anymore, you know, if you're if you're in your 20s and you're still living at home because it's safe and fun there, then it's time to move on. Uh the other thing I would offer is is that you know uh, it's okay to put yourself in situations where there's and I'm talking to the strictly you know homosexual struggler who's out there right now it's it's great it's a good idea not to be around just other gay men. You got to press into a men's group at your church or you got to press into uh any kind of service fraternity or anything like that where you actually have to relate to other men and they don't really know whether you're quote unquote gay or straight. You know, because the truth is, is what you're trying to find are those men who will just be honest with you, who don't have their your past and who didn't raise you, but who can look you in the eye and say, you know, what are you doing, you know, when you don't make sense. Uh, you also need to hang out with women who don't try to, to baby you and to coddle you and to take care of you. and. Because the best thing to do is to find that woman who doesn't do that. That's your real complimentary. That's your real complimentary partner in life, is a woman who doesn't fall for that, but who stands firm in her worth rather than changing because, oh, I don't want to upset my husband.
2: Mm -hmm. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking this is a journey that is going to cause everyone in this scenario, moms, dads, children, to really face up to their fears, sure. Because that's one thing I think perfectionism is a cousin to fear. Amen. Because what perfectionism does is it causes us to try to just form everything into this perfect image, so that we don't have to face our brokenness. Right. So that we don't have to face sin and temptation. We don't have to face. And but the irony is that that only takes us closer to our brokenness. It only magnifies and accentuates our brokenness the more we right. chase after perfectionism. That's
1: We are glad you joined us today, and we hope that God had a special word just for you. Remember that Healing Hidden Wounds and Shadow of His Wings Ministry are listener supported, and all services are provided on a donation basis. If you heard something today that was especially important to you, we hope you will consider donating a gift. Please visit www.healinghiddenwounds.com to donate today. My life and my heart Your love has done its part Let him lay